Welcome to episode 36 of the Victors, a Michigan sports podcast. We are affiliated with Between the Whistles Detroit, a JC Sports Network exclusive. I'm your host, Chad Mazegan, joined by my co-host as always, Mr. Jordan Dean. How you doing on this lovely Tuesday night? Doing well, man, doing well. I, uh, it's been it's been uh, fun watching you know, the NFL playoffs and seeing how that's been unfolded. I think it's, you know, a lot of, we've been talking offline about it, and you know, a lot of the times we've been right, which is always good. But other than that, man, I'm just hanging out. I know. It's hard to believe we only have three football games left in the uh, you know, 2022 uh, football season. You know, it's, it's terrible. Uh, it's sad. It's always the fun, fun games, but you know, given they're the conference championships and Super Bowl, but it, uh, it's sad that after, after this, you know, we get some spring ball, to, I guess, but we get some spring ball, but you know, we get to look forward to Tiger baseball. The five USFL fans are excited, I'm sure. So right, right, exactly. But Jay anyway, leading the way. Yeah, that's great. Yep. But getting into Michigan, you know, of course, news always breaks shortly after uh, we record an episode. So last Tuesday, after we had completed recording, I think it was only like an hour or two after we were we were done. The the Matt Weiss uh, news came out. Um, at first, he was put on administrative leave um, amid a police investigation uh, into. Com- uh, computer crimes committed on campus. Uh, uh, they happened in Shem Beckler Hall, according to the report. Uh, no specifics on what exactly that was, um, but a few days later, he was then fired by the University of Michigan. So, guessing he's not innocent in whatever he's being accused of. Usually, you don't, uh, you know, if there if it was just a little mess and it was going to get cleared up, he probably would have remained on leave a little longer until then. But it sounds, you know, he was let go uh, by the university, which they have every right to do so. Uh, Matt Weiss did uh, say in a uh, tweet he is fully cooperating with investigators and then he went on to say I am proud of the success we achieved over the last two seasons and grateful to all the Michigan players coaches and staff the potential of team 144 knows no bounds Uh, he also went on to say in this tweet I have nothing but respect for the University of Michigan and the people who make it such a great place I look forward to putting this matter behind me and returning my focus to the game I love so you know he seems confident that he maybe didn't do anything too egregious, I guess. It's hard to read in because we don't have many details besides the fact that there's an investigation. These are the allegations with no specifics to those allegations. We just know he was uh, some sort of computer crime happened in Shen Beckler Hall, um, apparently done by him. So what were your kind of thoughts on the situation when the news first broke? Because it was obviously an odd one and one that wasn't really expected. I'm not gonna lie. I went. I went to pretty bad, you know. Before I got to, you know, where we are now, I thought maybe it was some really, really bad stuff going on, like you know, some child pornography crap or something crazy. You know, you never know these days, especially with some stories that have happened over the past decade or more. When you know, in the college football world with coaches or what or doctors or whatever. So I was like, I really hope it's not something like that. But I don't think that ended up being that way. Um, but. Clearly, there were some rules that uh, Michigan had laid out, and, you know, you, you make choices, and he made a bad one. I mean, I, I will say part of his tweets, like, doesn't seem very apologetic for necessarily making a, a mistake, you know, not putting – he doesn't apologize to the kids for the bad mistake that he made or, you know, letting down the program or anything like that. He just flat out said, I, you know, I respect the University of Michigan, and I look forward to putting this behind me. Like, to me, I don't love that response, but I get it. It's a response, in my opinion, that says I did do something, but I don't think it's as bad as they're making it out to be, or something like that. I, it like again, it's hard to say with any rules, but like he, 
I don't want to say he admits to it, but wording it the way of I look to put this behind me, it kind of says like, okay, maybe he's not fully innocent. But And like you said, he didn't really apologize for anything either, making it seem like, you know, okay, I did something, but it's kind of one of those, I don't want to say like, Maybe it's a fluky, you know, rule or yeah. thing he did. But like again, we won't know. Obviously, when more news comes out on what actually happened, we'll discuss it. But uh, from what we know now, weird situation. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree. It's a, it's a weird response, but almost a response that okay, I just kind of want to move on. Like I did something, I, I messed up, but I don't think it should be something that impacts me, you know, big, you know, big time or cost me a jo- a coaching job in the future. Um, I'm ready to move forward. I, 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 I do wonder how much this will impact his future endeavors when it comes to coaching. I mean, it, you, you got to have dudes of integrity. You got to have dudes that, you know, aren't doing some shady crap behind closed doors. So I'm like, I, I imagine he'll probably land a job. I wonder if he'll miss this season or if another team will get him soon. But yeah, uh, to me, it's not a good, it's not a good look. Yeah. My guess is we'll have to wait till the reports come out on what actually happened. Before right. We know kind of what's going to happen moving forward. Good news for mm-hmm. him in the sense he's very young, uh, has actually obviously had success at Michigan, uh, being 39 years old, co-offensive coordinator. Um, you know, he'll if if it's nothing serious and it's nothing that impacts his career moving forward, um, at least in the long term, he should be able to land on his feet somewhere, even if he has to kind of take a step back with a lower program before you know kind of making a rise again. But. Uh, you know, these, these, I'm not going to call it a scandal, but it seems like there's coaches everywhere that just mess up from time to time. Some rebound and some don't, depending on, you know, obviously what happens. So, well, I want to say if, like, this is kind of different, but like if DJ Durkin can land a job again after what he went through at Maryland and that whole player situation, like that being pretty egregious, uh, he's get Matt Weiss will find a job. <laughs> like, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. sports aren't somewhere you look for uh, moral decisions anymore. Uh, obviously, yeah. the bottom line is winning and money, um, and really, that's no different in college now, especially with the NIL stuff co- uh, making its way through. Um, but you know, I, and I've always had that stance. I, I know people look up to like these, especially pro athletes, right? But like, it's not that. I'm not saying it's right, but it's not their job to be the moral police, right? Like they're they're not all good dudes and people need to accept it for what it is, right? These are grown men playing a violent game and they, they, they bring in a lot of revenue, but they're not, you know, they're not all people of, uh, uh, high praise and things like that. Right. Not all the time. I agree. But So kind of getting on in this situation, um, obviously with Weiss gone, we need to talk about potential replacements. Um, you know, co-offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, whatnot. Um, I guess we'll start with the obvious question because we've talked about this. Uh, we talked about it earlier in the season, during the season, in some of our episodes, especially when it seemed like the offense was struggling early on. Um, do we give Sharon Moore the you know solo offensive coordinator title, or do you think we um, Harbaugh brings in someone and there's another split offensive coordinator kind of situation coming up here? I think uh, I think we'll give more the the title and we'll just go get a quarterbacks coach. Uh, but this day and age, like, if, it, it's very very common that there's run game coordinators, pass game coordinators. So I imagine there'll still be that title for whoever the quarterbacks coach is, probably for the passing game, just because that's really normally what happens. I mean, it's it's crazy. Like, I I just learned I learned the other day. Like, I heard somebody on in the NFL they have a 
a passing game defensive coordinator, a run game defensive coordinator, and then they have a overall defensive coordinator. Like they broke it down into three different jobs. Like I'm like, geez, how many? <laughs> so like, it, it, it's kind of I guess the new trend or whatever you want to call it. So I don't really know exactly what Michigan will do with it, but I won't be surprised if we they they get the title quarterbacks coach slash passing game coordinator when they come. Yeah, and you know if all works well, it really doesn't matter. And like you said, right. there can be run game, pass game coordinators, whatever. Really, it comes down to who's calling the plays. I, I I still don't know for certain if it was Weiss or Moore calling the plays this past season. Uh, obviously, early on, it felt like it was not as organized as it should have been. Some of the plays, the setups to other things, just didn't make sense at times. But I feel like it got a lot better as the season went on, and these guys got experience. Um, yeah. I'll never discard that Harbaugh calls calls plays here and there just because he's a very oh, controlling absolutely. coach. But yeah. you know, all head coaches do. That's not a shot at Harbaugh by any he's, means. He's, but. he's got he's got a play sheet in front of him. I imagine he's in, he's got influence for sure. He, I mean, we know he did. He said he called to play the the Philly special in the TCU game. That was his call. Right, right. So and um, so we'll see. Like, at the end of the day, and we'll probably never know. But it'd be nice to know who's calling plays. And if there's a solo offensive coordinator title, you can safely assume that you know. If it's Sharon Moore, for example, he's calling the plays 95% of the time, right? Unless Harbaugh's got, you know, the plays he wants to call, whatever. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, we kind of talked about some of the replacements possible uh, for Weiss. And according, uh, you found this article by uh, Josh Henschke of MichiganRivals.com uh, reporting Harbaugh has been in contact with 49, uh, 49ers, uh, Brian Grease, uh, Greasy, Stanford's Tavada Pritchard, and Ravens T. Martin uh, about their quarterback coach opening. Any one of those three kind of stand out to you? Or, you know, is it kind of like Harbaugh's just kind of checking some of his old connections? and Or do you have, like, a favorite out of those three that you'd like to see? I think he in? wants Greasy. I would agree with I that. I think he wants yeah, They're with the tie to Michigan, and uh, they, they've been buddies for a very long time. So I'd – and – I wouldn't be surprised to he pulls him away from uh, San Francisco uh, being the quarterback's coach over there. But um, I, I don't expect that if that move happens, I don't expect it to happen until the 49ers are done playing. Um, oh, so for that sure. could be a few weeks. So, or you've potentially even announced uh, at that point. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and you know, he, Brian's obviously had a good, good thing going over there with Brock Purdy. You know, I uh, gotta give him some props, making the seventh rounder look like he's uh, he belongs, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. No, I think he's playing great ball, and I, I mean that's kudos to your coaching. I mean, Brock's a young guy, so it, it, it's not like he knows a lot going into the NFL. So, kudos to him for sure. And then, you know, I, as we know that uh, Greg Roman stepped down from the uh, offensive coordinator position with the Baltimore Ravens and. Him and Jim have worked together at Stanford, so that's also an option on the table. That I'm not sure if, uh, you know, obviously we've 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 done our due diligence with you know pulling staff from John Harbaugh, so I I, I also wouldn't be surprised if uh, Roman joins our staff as well if it's not greasy. Yeah, that was a good wrinkle uh, you found there to add, um, given that he's obviously had the most recent connection with uh, Jim's brother John with the Ravens, obviously. Um, but like you said, worked with Jim back in the Stanford days. Uh, Greg Roman coming on, obviously coming off uh, being an offensive coordinator at the NFL level. Um, do you think this one would end a little differently? And I would, if if we hire Greg Roman, I'd have to imagine he gets the co-offensive coordinator title at the very least. Yes. Um, yes. But who do you think? 
And again, it kind of goes back to that mystery of was it Moore or Weiss calling plays? I kind of think it was more just given we were more of a run-heavy team and things like that. Obviously, both collaborated a lot, but to me, you can only have one main play caller. I think it becomes too messy if you got two guys trying to call plays at the same time. But do you think Greg Roman gets that you know uh, initial play calling ability? Just given his background, what he's coming coming from and things like that or do you think uh it sticks with more if uh he's he's to hire or do you think greg roman gets the offensive coordinator title at all My, i uh i think if greg if greg roman specifically comes to michigan he'll be our main play caller i think it'll be him and he'll be called with uh more and you know at some point i think that's why harbaugh has done a lot of work on trying to get more money for his staff because he understands the importance of more. Um, but the fact is more is a very young coach and Greg, Greg Roman has been around a long time and has done a lot of great things as a coordinator. So to me, you kind of go, you got to go with the experience and uh, whatnot. So I, I, if that does happen, Roman will be main play caller with probably the call titles. And Greg Roman could honestly end up like Mike McDonald only being here for one or two years. If exactly. he does get brought exactly. on. Uh, likely would right. have NFL interest again at some point. Mm-hmm. But what I like about the Roman possibility is, especially if he's play calling, obviously coming from the Baltimore Ravens, he utilized the quarterback run a lot with Lamar Jackson. Something right. I think we both felt was not utilized enough with J.J. McCarthy this past year, especially from the season prior where you know we saw them use him in special packages specifically to use that run pass option or that read option um, on offense that Cade McNamara wasn't really capable or it wasn't his strong suit, obviously, of doing. So Roman comes in here. I feel like it could really maximize the use of McCarthy in terms of we we know the arm talent he's got, but can we unlock the running ability with it just as good? And I think Greg Roman would really help that, just given the experience and uh, he's had – you know, calling plays and uh, building an offense around Lamar Jackson the last few years. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, if you if you've watched any Ravens game at all, there is a lot of similarities to what we do and what they do. Um, you know, it, obviously, when you got a playmaker like Lamar, you're going to do a lot of design quarterback runs. But their their offense is an inside outside zone gap scheme, pulling centers, guards, tackles, read and reading people and making Lamar make decisions. I mean, that's what JJ can do as well. So. I, I think it would be a great hire to get him in. I think he, I don't know if he, no, he's a great recruiter from what I've, the research that I've done when he was at Stanford. So he knows, he knows the college game, obviously NIL is a little bit different now, but as far as how to recruit college kids, he, he'd be, he'd be a good fit for us. And like you said, he might be around for a year or two, which means it might give Strong more, a little bit more experience before maybe we turn the keys over to him full time. But like I said, this is all speculation. He might end up being the guy before we know it now. Yeah. I just want to state, I'm not, saying J.J. McCarthy's the next Lamar Jackson. He's just for a very sure, athletic, sure. you know, he has that running yes. ability, especially at the college level, to where you can utilize a lot of the same things they try to do with Lamar at the NFL level. Um, There's not a Lamar, lot of Lamar Jacksons in, in, in the world. No, not at all. And, you know, the yeah, I guess the other thing you brought up a good point is the recruiting for, the uh, you know, if Greg Roman does come on. I guess that's one thing we have to look at. Does Greg Roman want to do recruiting in terms right. of like, would he take a college job? Because 
let's be honest. The NFL has a little bit of an off season for coaches, right? The college does not. As soon as the regular season playoffs, however far you make, it's over. You're on the recruiting trail and it doesn't stop. College coaches do not really get any downtime. It definitely got to be a culture fit and, you know, a choice for Roman, if that's what he wants to do. He may have done, quote unquote, done his time, you know, when he was with Jim at Sanford and found the NFL and maybe doesn't want to look back. I mean, I, I would respect that decision if that's the case. Yeah. And it's, like I said, it's a good wrinkle. So obviously we have some candidates that were reported. Uh, the Greg Roman thing, I believe, was more of a speculation. Um, yes. Of a, it could we, be a fit we not, just given we, yeah, I don't the think there's been an official call yet. Yeah, I don't think there's been like a, you know, a reach out compared to actually Harbaugh has reached out to Greasy, uh, Pritchard, and uh, Martin. So it will be interesting. Uh, we'll obviously monitor it as news comes out on, uh, you know, how we replace uh, Matt Weiss. Obviously, we'll discuss it. It'll also be posted, I'm sure, uh Pretty, pretty quick after it breaks on uh, Between the Whistles Detroit Facebook page and Twitter, uh, so you can look out that way as well. Um, speaking of Harbaugh reaching out to uh, people, player in this instance, uh, last week, I believe it was, yeah, last Tuesday, this broke right after, <laughs> after we recorded too, uh, Jim Harbaugh met with recent Ohio State decommit uh, five-star quarterback Dylan Riola, a 2024 class, uh, last Tuesday in Arizona. We both found that kind of interesting, just given that, uh, you know, obviously just decommitted from Ohio State, but it sounded like, you know, a lot of the rumors were uh, Nebraska ties. Not that he had committed to Nebraska yet, but his dad, Dominic Riola, uh, played for the Lions for 10 plus years at, at center, uh, played at Nebraska, and, you know, it sounded like Matt Rule was going to try and make a move for him as well. Um, do you think this is Jim Harbaugh doing his, just his due diligence? Like, I'm sure they had done some due diligence before he had committed to Ohio State previously as well. Or do you think there's a real chance here that Michigan might be able to come in here and, you know, sweep, sweep them up and get, get a nice little steal here? Um, I, I don't know the legitimacy of actually getting real. I think it's doing the due diligence. Like, you don't – we are, we are in play for a guy like that, but to just assume that we wouldn't get him is dumb. Um, so I, I do think there's a little bit of that. I do – I would say it's a little concerning if we are talking to Rayola compared to, you know, not compared to, but all what we've done with uh, Jaden Davis. I, I don't know if there's a hiccup there or whatnot with him, if he's not fully ready to go with Michigan. I mean, he has, he's, he's undecided, but I would say that that does concern me a little bit that now we're out of nowhere. Cause this was not like, I mean, he was committed to Ohio state. So I guess we may, may have just kind of left him alone for a while, but now we're just like, hey, we, we should go talk to him. Uh, so I, to me, I, I don't think it's realistic possibly just because, like you said, with Riola's, with the relationship with Riola, you know, his dad played, and also his uncle's the offensive line coach over there. So, like, there's – I would be amazed if he doesn't go to Nebraska. feels like it's a perfect fit, but then we also have Lloyd Carr's kid who committed to Notre Dame over Michigan. It's true. So it it's happens. true. So, like, it, right, it, it does happen. So I – We'll see what happens. I, I still think Jaden Davis is our front runner to get him uh, with uh, Rayola in the background. If, if as a, as a, I, guess, I won't say you can't really fall back on a kid like that, but if Jaden Davis commits somewhere else, I bet we'll go full throttle on Rayola. Because we, I don't know if you are aware, Ted, we do not have a 2023 committed quarterback. No, so I, am a, trying, I am aware of that. Yeah, um, yeah, so we are trying to reload here for 2024. Right, because there is no... 
No guarantees that J.J. McCarthy is here after next season. He oh, definitely has yeah. the ability. Um, you know, if he takes that next step, he definitely has the ability uh, and tools to be an intriguing option at the next level uh, for NFL teams to consider investing in. Um, I think McCarthy's got to get a little bigger, in my opinion, first, um, and obviously prove more consistency. Uh, but I mean, he had a good season last year. I'm not going to say it was superstarish or you know, uh, great you know greatness, but he he had a good season last year. He showed growth in a lot of areas, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of steps he takes in 23. Uh, but speaking of Jaden Davis, according to 24/7, a report that came out uh, this past Friday, Ohio State sounds like they kind of made a full court press to uh, at least talk to the kid. Uh, it was reported that Ohio State head coach Ryan Day, offensive coordinator Brian Hartline, and quarterback coach Corey Dennis of the Buckeyes met with Jaden Davis. Um, you know, I guess it's kind of what you open the door to if you go talk to another, yep. uh, uh, you know, recruit uh, as Michigan talked to Riola, because uh, Jaden Davis, as you mentioned, is also part of the 2024 quarterback class. He's also he's a five star, or is he a four star? Yeah, yeah no, they're both five stars. Five star, that's what I thought. Um, and yeah, yeah, I mean, Jaden Davis has been a guy Michigan's been connected to now for a while. Uh, 24-7 sports, as long as, as some other recruiting sites list Michigan as the likely favorite for him. Um, I don't know if that's changed the last couple of days with some of this news kind of swirling. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, of the two, I think Ryle's ranked a little higher. But I mean, obviously both are five-star kids. Both have a lot of talent. Michigan needs to... You know, if they're getting in bed with another one, they need to make sure they land at least one of these guys. If you end up losing out on Davis because you kind of went in and snuck around with Raiola, it's not going to be a good look if you end up losing out on both of them. Especially oh, if Davis goes agree. to Ohio State and then Raiola goes yeah. to Nebraska as expected because those are guys you're going to play every year until they graduate. No, no I, I am 100% with you. I, I think I still am hopeful that uh, we will get a commit from Davis and and maybe by the start of the season or something like that. But obviously with the way things are, you, you, you don't really know until they sign that letter of intent, man. So national letter of intent. So it's, it's, uh, we, there's flip flops all over the place. So I'm, I'm hoping some NIL package stuff can get him over here. And it seems from the research that I've done, he's high on academics, high on, he's very high on hardball, very high in the university of Michigan. So we'll see what happens. Is there, given, you know, if Michigan had the option of either of them, is there one you prefer over the other? Uh, or have you not done enough homework on both of them to get oh, I've, I've, I've done some homework on both. Honestly, I think uh, Rayola has the higher upside, um, but I think Jaden Davis is more of a true quarterback at this point. I, I think, think really kind of. I think Davis is a little bit better of a system fit for Michigan, too. Uh, just yeah, yeah. Some yeah. Uh, what I've looked at. Yeah, Real is a little bit more athletic than Davis, but Davis has enough uh, enough escapability, enough athleticism to extend plays and run when need be. He kind of honestly, like, he's not as big as C.J. Stroud, but his game reminds me of C.J. Stroud a little bit. Okay. I like the comparison. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see kind of how this uh, develops moving forward. Um, obviously have not heard anything yet this week. Um, but it'll be interesting to see because, you know, both are highly sought after and you'd have to imagine news on where they commit is going to break sooner than later over the next couple months. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. So, 
Uh, to kind of finish up our football topic as it dominates our podcast each week, um, I'm sure by now you saw the news as well that uh, Michigan is expanding their tunnel. They're expected to take out 45 or so seats to expand it, um, given the obviously the Michigan State incident. Uh, you also had your Penn State uh, incident as well with the throwing peanut butter sandwiches or something like that and James Franklin being the total douchebag he always is. So, um <laughs> Yeah, no, I, it, I mean, it is what it is. It, I, is it an overcorrection, Chad? Potentially, but we, we can, if they want to expand it to make have other other opponents feel more comfortable or whatever, make Michigan, you know, act like they've done something to improve the situation is great. I mean, it's 45 seats. It's not like we're knocking out a massive chunk of our stadium to make it happen. It, 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 to me, it's like, okay, do what you got to do. And that's what I kind of think it is. I think it's a publicity stunt more to please than anything. I mean, I don't know what widen it, 45 seats. And it's obviously not 45 seats to the left or right. You know, it's a chunk of probably going anywhere from probably five to eight seats over. And then, you know, obviously going down and taking out, you know, whatever amount of rows it would be. At the end of the day, you know, we talked about a little bit after the Michigan State game. At the, the the simplest thing to do would be like, okay, this team goes now, this team waits, then they go, and at halftime, let the visiting sideline all get in because they're on the side of the tunnel. Or uh, Michigan is Mich- Michigan's on the side. Of the, no, 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 the, the visiting no, team is on no. the side of the tunnel. So let them all go in first before Michigan runs over there. I mean, it could be so simple, but you know, I guess it's it's got to be more challenging than it needs to be, sort of thing. So. But yeah, uh, moving on, uh, Michigan basketball. Um, I think they're at the point in the season where if they don't win all but two or three games, they're probably not making the tournament this year. Uh, Again, a battle of inconsistency uh, is plaguing this team. Uh, Last Tuesday, I believe it was. uh, When did they play Maryland? It was was last week, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. But they ended up losing that game on the road, 64-58. to Um, pretty ugly game. Michigan did not shoot well. Uh, they did not defend well in the paint. Maryland had a ton of points in the paint. Um, and this was coming after they beat Maryland two or three weeks ago, like 81 to 46 at homes. Um, so dominated them. So tough loss to take, um, especially in what's been a competitive big 10 conference. Uh, they did go on to beat Minnesota 60 to 56. Um, uh, after that at home, Problem is, Minnesota is one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. It was a struggle, albeit Jet Howard, the uh, rookie, uh, the freshman star, uh, left in the uh, left with an ankle injury and did not return. Uh, so his status is questionable moving forward. Um, but man, I just I don't know. This team doesn't seem to be able to put together. They put on some nice stretches during games, um, and they've had a couple good games and a couple duds. But it just feels like they just can't get stuff going. And part of that, I think, is just being a young team. And Hunter Dickinson, like in the uh, Minnesota game, he kind of willed them to the victory with 23 points, um, especially after Jet Howard uh, left with injury. But they got a tilt coming up on Thursday with number one Purdue. And, you know. Dude, we're, gonna, we're losing this game. Oh, I don't disagree. I'm just saying, <laughs> if Jet Howard's going, out, this could be yeah. really ugly. Because we – like it's it's either Dick Dickinson or Jet that's our our scores and we have if you've watched our games at all you know we we have our bench play isn't great we don't get a lot of points off the bench 
we don't shoot the basketball very well consistently. So I, I have no faith that this team can all of a sudden start hitting the three ball. Like we were, we were, who, let's see, our starting forward was 0 for 2. Huntington's was 0 for 1. Buffkin was 0 for 4. McDaniel was 2 for 3. Like the, he was the only one to hit our, like the three point shot. Obviously you don't, you don't have to win all your basketball games by hitting threes, but if you want to be anything in basketball, you got to be able to penetrate, kick it out for the three when it's there. And right now we, we are not shooting the basketball well. Yeah, and it's just they've had so many tough losses in terms of in conference play. I mean, first of all, Michigan, they're 5-3 and three in the conference, and they're still third in the Big Ten, but only 11-8 and eight overall. Their overall record is not as good as most teams in the Big Ten. I think 11-8 and eight would put them – 10th out of 14 teams with their overall record, obviously five and three in the conference, their third. Um, but that includes losses to uh, Michigan State, who's played well, so not a big deal and on the road. But that game at Iowa was, you know, really a, a killer in terms of Michigan led the whole game. Uh, yep. Iowa tied it at the end and then outscored them 14 to five in overtime, ended up being a loss. And then, like I said, that Maryland loss was ugly. You got Maryland who's sitting. 10th of 14 teams in the Big Ten with a 3-5 and five conference record, and you, you dropped a game to them. I mean, Michigan, they you know, they, they could really be competing with in terms of – they could have solo second right now. They're tied for second with the Rutgers at 5-3 and three in the Big Ten. And, you know, to be honest, it's not – it's a competitive Big Ten. It's not necessarily a good Big Ten. Purdue, while they're number one in the country, they're the only ranked team in the Big Ten right now. This is – right. Michigan struggling in this conference is not going to vote well for them getting any favors come March if they're able to even get themselves in position to be a you know a team on the um, uh, what do they call it on the cusp or whatever it's called one of the you know last four in last four out yeah, situation. Yeah, I mean, we, we had opportunities as far as early on in the season to kind of showcase what we would be from a a top ten team being or being able to play teams like that. But we lost to Virginia sixty eight to seventy, Kentucky by four. Uh, in the you know the, the North Carolina by four, like so we yes we are in the games sure but at the end of the day if you're not winning those games yeah. those are good those losses are because I only say that because college yeah. basketball you know has that as a thing like oh these are strong losses in terms of you lost to a ranked team and you know if you play Purdue close point. it'd be the same thing but right. then you have losses the central you lost the Central Michigan at home like that's inexcusable right you can't have those kind of uh, marks on your schedule yeah and with purdue on deck on thursday then penn state on at penn state at northwestern and then home against ohio state on uh february 5th like on sunday like the we have not put a stretch of wins together and i don't know if it starts on thursday against purdue obviously that'd be great if we can do that but we, we, we we're not going to make any damage if we're going to win two, lose two, win one, lose two, win two, lose one. Like you gotta, you gotta put some wins together. But, I mean, they have roughly 12 games left and mm -hmm. you know, I hate to say it, but they need to get to at least 19 or 20 wins to even have a shot. Which I'm, with means I'm with it. They'd have to For win nine nine ish of their last 12 or 13 remaining games which is not going to be an easy feat yeah you got you got michigan state left uh you got you know indiana's tough like the whole wisconsin big, like twice at illinois exactly. is a good team it's not going to be easy especially with jet howard being out like i one game at a time we'll see but i it'll be a surprise a, a great surprise to see our boys 
be able to make the tourney. Yeah, and given uh, you know injured status as being pretty closed door in college, we don't know how serious it is with Jet Howard. Um, all we know is he's questionable for Thursday's game. Um, hopefully, you guess we get some news Thursday. Even if he doesn't play, we kind of get an idea of the timeline. We're expecting him out, but uh, wouldn't count on that either if he doesn't end up playing. So, but yeah, basketball, man, it's uh, it's been it's been rough this year, and hopefully, hopefully, a lot of these young guys return next season. Um, you know, we're obviously gonna lose Dickinson. Uh, which right. is going to be a tougher place. Um, but you do have Terrace Reed, who's played fairly well off the bench. He's been inconsistent like the rest of the team, but he has shown some flashes of he can be a, a pretty dominant big man. So he's going to be the guy who steps into that role eventually. Um, but you got to hope, you know, Doug McDaniel, Terrace Reed, some of these guys grow. Kobe uh, Bufkin, uh, the sophomore shooting guard, he, he gets a little bit better. And then we'll see, uh, you know, does Jet Howard have the talent to go pro? He definitely probably would be drafted, but does he stay one more year with his, you know, especially with his dad being it's coach his and first stuff? First starting, like he should come back. He's got that's that's a different conversation, but he should come back. Oh, he definitely should come back, but there's plenty of players that should come back and don't. So you know, they smell that money and they want to get out. So we'll see what happens. I'd expect him back too, but you never know. Uh, moving on, Michigan hockey. We talked about how they had to kind of get on a run, too. Uh, they've done a lot of the win-one-lose-one win, weekend splits as their schedule. You know, they play every Friday and Saturday, uh, usually against the same team. Well, this week, this past weekend, they had number two Minnesota on the road, um, and, and they put up a hell of a fight. Uh, first game uh, they played, they lost uh, on Friday. They lost 4-3 to three in overtime. Um, you know, took the number two team to the brink. Unfortunately, didn't get it done, but came back on Saturday and got the five to four victory in overtime. So, uh, overall, Michigan moves up to number seven in the country. But I think the the most important thing here is, do you think, you know, having this confidence come in where they were able to go to overtime uh, with Minnesota twice, obviously come away victorious in one of them, can it jumpstart them into? Uh, you know, winning some consecutive games here moving forward. They have uh, Penn State at home twice uh, this upcoming weekend. They have Wisconsin the following weekend at home back-to-back before going to Michigan State uh, in a home-and-home. You know, it'd be be huge if Michigan could at least, you know, sweep Penn State and Wisconsin uh, coming up here. No, yeah, I I, I actually expect us to do that and then split with Michigan State. Um, But – I think uh, you're absolutely right. The, the, those type of wins can be huge for programs and get us shooting in the right direction. And I mean, these dudes are playing tough. They're not really getting blown out very much. You know, most of their games are coming down to the wire, and uh, you know, it's just sometimes it just goes goes against you. But I like the improvement that we're seeing, and I do think this team is still a top tier college hockey program. Yeah, and Michigan is uh, fourteen nine and one overall in the season now. Still six and eight in the conference, so got to get on the right side of the conference record. But uh, just for some reference, they played at Penn State. Penn State was ranked when we played them back in November. They were number thirteen when we played them last. Uh, Michigan lost three uh, nothing in the first game, and then won four to three in overtime in the second game. And then when we played number two Minnesota at home back uh, in mid-November, right before Thanksgiving, Michigan dropped both of those games in a 5-2 to two and 6-3 to three loss. So uh, it was nice to see they rebounded, especially playing them on the road this time. Um, and on that, onto that 
future game against Michigan State coming up February 10th and 11th. It'll be at East Lansing on the 10th, and then it's actually at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Michigan will be considered the home team, but it is the duel in the D uh, for that game, which will be um, very cool to see. So, And then after that, they play uh, at Ohio State, and they will have a uh, what's called face-off on the lake. I think it's an outdoors game at Cleveland Browns Stadium uh, against Ohio State uh, February 18th. So a uh, couple couple oh, cool. neutral site games coming up uh, for Michigan, which is cool, both against big rivals. So, uh, But, yeah, I mean, uh, I think overall, uh, you know, while hockey has kind of been a little inconsistent as well, uh, they showed some promise this week with uh, competing with one of the best programs in the country. Uh, so hopefully that generates some uh, excitement and some confidence in the, uh, in the players and the program, and they can kind of take uh, some of this momentum and carry it the, over the next couple weekends and string together some wins, which would be big for this program uh, moving towards uh, the, the Frozen uh, Four tournament you know, later in March. So yeah, to bring, to bring... Oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, like I said, before before we get off, I do have one thing I want to bring up. We, uh, I, I do want to hear your thoughts on the whole current Jim Harbaugh allegation situation we got going on when you see, just like, for example, most recently with Florida, you know, they're, they, they, they committed that kid to sign a national government tent, guaranteed him a $13 million NIL contract, and then said, psych, actually can't do that, and he got out of the national out of signing but the ncaa doesn't do anything to the university of florida regarding stuff like that but yet our head coach is dealing with some covid covid protocols that are you know potentially going to harm his season i to me i think it's a little bit ridiculous but i did want to hear your thoughts on it yeah it's strange because i don't know how much the ncaa has in policing all this nil stuff so obviously it's an organization and you know it's part part of being a part of the NCAA is, you know, all the schools agree to these rules to follow, and then you know the NCAA enforces them. I I can't tell you how much the NIL is in that rule book, how much the NCAA has jurisdiction over specific things about it. I'm sure there's some things I don't know how in depth they get. Um, one big thing I know is the NCAA is not a fan of lying, and that's what they're accusing Jim Harbaugh of doing right now. I don't know how big this is going to get in terms of is the NCAA going to back down? I sure as hell know Jim Harbaugh is not. He's a stubborn man, and he's he's not going to fold. Even if it's like, Jim, you could just say you did it, and they're not going to suspend you, and we can move forward, and you get a little slap on the wrist. That's not in his nature. He's not going to do it. He's going to take this thing the full nine rounds, per se, and uh, or, or, you know, we'll see what happens. I It is weird. I, I You know, that Florida didn't get any slap on the wrist or anything or any, you know, much coverage on it from an NCAA standpoint. But uh, obviously they're picking a fight with Michigan. But I'd say the longer it goes on, it's more proof that the NCAA doesn't really have proof on whatever they're disputing with Harbaugh because if they had physical proof or evidence of whatever they're right. accusing him of doing, it, it would be over already. Yeah, I I, don't, I just think it's just a distraction and just something that just doesn't need to be here when there's so many other things that are clearly going on in the college football that the NCAA is just letting go. But Harbaugh is one of the biggest quote-unquote personalities in, you know, the, in the college game, and it really is uh, a situation. Like, to me, like, it's, it needs to stop because I, I'm concerned that, like, 
is gonna so, someone's gonna say something stupid. By that, I think Harbaugh could do something stupid, and like he might get a suspension when he is not on the table right now. But I'm just concerned that uh, we're not gonna handle it the best way possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like the longer it goes on, the more it's in Jim Harbaugh's favor. I think Harbaugh's call Harbaugh is calling their bluff. And, I mean, like I said, I feel like if the NCAA had something on him, we would have found out about it already or we're going to find out about it very soon. So I agree with you. It, it sucks that this is kind of what we're, we're stuck in a holding pattern. But, I mean, I, you know, it, it's such small violations, too, that it's turning into. It's the, it's the lying part that's got the NCAA all bent out of shape. Like, they they don't think he's being truthful with them, and that's what they're – they're trying to come down on him for so we'll we'll see if they end up coming up with evidence or not but i i don't I, this could be something that goes on for a little while in my opinion as i said probably it's probably be a couple months maybe yeah so we'll see as more news breaks on that as well uh, we'll definitely cover it uh, but i think that's going to cover cover what we got for this episode again uh you know we appreciate everyone tuning in. Uh, you can follow us on Spotify or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts by searching the Victors Dash Michigan Podcast. Uh, you can also subscribe to Between the Whistles Detroit on YouTube to catch our podcast as well as the rest of your Detroit sports needs. Uh, thanks for tuning in as always. And, you know, kind of like go with the flow sort of thing. If we have a, a lot of news that comes out over the next week, we'll definitely have an episode next week. If not, we might do a, 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 you know, a bi-weekly thing. It just... Kind of depends on what kind of news is rolling in and all that, but uh, we pre- pre- appreciate the support as always, and we look forward to talking to you next time. Go Blue! Go Blue!